Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right. A very scary Tuesday to all of you. Um, yeah, that's God. That's where we are now. I should I should stop doing this. Uh, but it is the week of Halloween, and uh, we're all together. And and you know the week of Halloween is often a time uh, that you watch scary movies. Yeah, and uh, I just watched one. We're recording this on Sunday. Uh, and I just watched one a few hours ago. Uh, I, I was at Emily's. We we went to uh, to Carter Mountain, uh, but we were uh, too uh, we were we were too good for actually picking apples. We just bought apples there, uh, and <laughs> so several several apple cider donuts. Um, but then we we went back to her place and and we cooked lunch and. Uh, I introduced her to The Shining. Ah, which is, that is a movie I've a seen. Fantastic once. movie. I I easily I think there's a chance that The Shining is the movie I've seen more times, at least as an adult, than any other movie. Uh, I would say I've seen it probably five times. Max, have you have you watched it? Slash, have you? Watched yeah, it? not recently, and not okay. that many times. But I've definitely, definitely watched. I'll put I, it this I, way: I w- I've seen the documentary about the crazy fan theories about the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I I remember I vividly remember watching it for the first time because I was at a a friend's family's house in the south of France, and they lived in a very very old building or home that used to be part of a like small town in france fortification like the wall so it was very dungeon like and people started watching the movie with me but about a quarter of the way through they all left so i am in basically a dungeon watching this movie by myself that i'd never (laughs) seen before and it's it's the thing and and i think well i'm interested to see what you what happened today you having seen it a bunch Sean and, mm-hmm. and Emily not uh I was definitely scared but I was so captivated by how good a movie it was that I couldn't leave this this dark place now when the movie was over and I have to walk upstairs I I was sure I was going to die but right. I didn't so I am firmly now in the place where the shining doesn't scare me anymore um I kind of know it's not really like a big jump scare movie or anything like that um but she was actually less so she was less scared by it than i thought she was going to be um the the biggest jump scare in the movie is uh it it was the most effective one it's where uh you know uh we'll we'll do a light light spoiler alert in case you haven't seen this 38 year old movie um scatman crothers character dick halloran returns to the overlook hotel to try and um uh, to try and intervene in the in the situation and Jack Nicholson jumps out from behind a corner and buries an axe in his chest. Uh, oh. and it's very unexpected. And that 
that scared the shit out of me the first time I saw this movie. I was probably 14 or 15 the first time I saw it. Um, See, you say that, and, and, and I'll ask Max the same question after I answer, but... Uh, for me, it is the the like weird bathroom scene where there's a, a jump to to uh. someone who has who changes because that is that is very tactile. Like imagine holding mm. somebody and then all of a sudden they they change into the most frightening thing you've ever seen in your eyes. Like getting an axe through your chest or whatever. Like you know that could that could actually happen to me. I could see that happening. Hopefully it doesn't. But that's a thing that could happen. This other thing, it's like oh, I cannot even imagine that happening. Um, Max, do you have a, a memory of something that was ghoulish in the movie particularly? Uh, I I don't know. It's been it's been too long, honestly. That's that's fine. Is, it, is it available on any of the it, commonplace? It just joined. Uh, the, part of the reason we watched it is that it was just added to Netflix like last week. That's Wonderful. right. Yeah. Um, and I, so I also remember the first time I saw it being pretty startled by the jump cut at the end of the movie to Nicholson frozen to death in the hedge maze. Just cause uh-huh. like, you know, the way the expression on his face with the icicles in his facial hair, like it's, it's unsettling. Um, but it's as a I meme was now, so it's taken a lot of the teeth has been taken out. Of right. It to an extent. So as I was watching it with her, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, how my experience with this movie has morphed over the number of times that I've seen it and just about horror movies in general. I am, I I don't think it's a hugely secret knowledge that I'm a huge wuss and I really, I'm not into horror movies um, except for a few, but over the last probably Actually, really, since I moved to Charlottesville uh, as a post-grad working stiff, uh, I have expanded my horizons and, and been more open to that kind of film. And I, I'm not sure... I, I don't know how to put my finger on why that's happening. Um, but I, I've appreciated it. I, I think there's... You know, there's a lot when Oscar season rolls around every year. By and large, we know that uh, a prestige drama is going to win Best Picture. Yes, uh, but based on you know the the success of Get Out last year, uh, and, well, and really when it was in theaters in 2017 and you know it's it's success that that garnered it legitimate best picture uh cred for the for the oscars i think it was kind of a reminder to us that this genre is a place where there have been some really interesting things done and it's a really it's a place where you can make a really good movie yeah, I, I, that's, I, and I've realized that over over the last few years too about horror movies, which is, um, I think with dramas or, or even comedies, it's it's tell a story, 
uh, and and that can go in a lot of different directions. But with these horror movies, there it's it, it seems that there's a, a little more of a, a narrow thing that's going on, which is that it's tell a story that leaves people unsettled and and frightened or scared, whatever word you want to use, but it unsettles people, um, and and so you're you're adding and certainly dramas and comedies are, are emotional as as well but you're adding this this emotion this this change to the the viewer that is really powerful and people go in millions and millions of directions with that but i really enjoy you know you mentioned get out i forget that that's a horror movie it is a horror movie it is very unsettling it leaves you emotionally discharged um, but I think of other movies we, we talked about. It follows a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That's also a horror movie, and it gets there in a different way. Another movie I saw came out a couple years years ago, um, which is also on Netflix. I highly recommend is The Witch. Um, that is in some ways based off of things that really happened in in the the I, I think it's the seventeenth century, might be the sixteenth century in New England. Um, at least there's a lot of reality in it. Um, and that's a horror movie that's completely different than those other two. So I think that some of the most challenging and creative things when I'm watching movies, I see in horror movies because there's this goal and we know what they're trying to do. You go and sit down and you know what a horror movie is trying to do. There's some goal. Uh, yeah. But it's so creative in the way that, that people approach it. I mean – I don't watch that many either because I think I'm kind of a, a scaredy cat as as well. Um, Max, I know you watch horrific movies, and by horrific I mean Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> but do you watch a lot of horror movies as well, or have you in the past? Cut him a little slack. He comes from New England, a region known for its tolerance and open-mindedness for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, especially with witches. So maybe they don't have a lot of horror movies there. <laughs> well, they have Season of the Witch. That's... Oh no! Um, no, I I don't really watch a lot of um, horror movies. Um, I I was kind of introduced to them through college, through friends that liked them. Um, and I, I I can think of a few that I've I've enjoyed, but in general, I I wouldn't I don't watch those. Well, I have and have you have either of you seen like kind of the classic like Friday the Thirteenth or uh, what's what's the one with freddy krueger is that the one nightmare on elm street yeah i i was watching um like the the texas chainsaw massacre seven the other day on tv (laughs) amusing Um. well and there's there's kind of there are those pulpy ones what i've watched because i'm a a, you know a, a pain in the ass is is kind of these more highbrow ones but but there's appeal to that too the the slasher flick type of thing and and that were really big in the 80s part of the reason yeah. why i thought you'd probably seen them next so i i like thriller movies a lot more than horror movies mm. yeah. yeah i think that makes sense i know that i so i have not seen either of the franchises you mentioned pierce although i've been meaning to watch nightmare on elm street uh-huh. um I think now, <laughs> I think as a 26-year-old in 2018, Freddy Krueger is kind of enough of a caricature that I, I, I think I could handle it pretty well. Uh, but I have seen uh, a movie that I, I really love, and I, I think I've seen two or three times, Psycho. Um, yes. An incredible movie. A yeah, really I saw that for well the first time movie. last year. Uh, I watched it in... Uh, I watched it in a class uh, at UVA, uh, taught by a bad man. 
Um, but I, I'm glad you mentioned that you know these horror movies have a narrow remit, which is they're trying to scare you. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, I think that is the source of the the level of creativity that we've we've seen. You know, as we become exposed to more and more kind of horror in our everyday lives, uh, you get kind of blunted and desensitized to it. And so it's, plus we're just, we're taking in more and more horror movies. So over time, there are all these tropes that have evolved and, you know, there have been 11 billion Friday the 13th movies. There have been a bunch of Nightmare on Elm Streets. There have been flipping Freddy versus Jason crossovers, and there have been multiple of those. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, there have also been a lot of really and truly like groundbreakingly unique films. Alien was really just kind of ahead of its time. Um, the Shining was kind of not uh the shining was actually not well received in 1980 but man it's a great movie um i think of uh a movie i've never seen blair witch project that Mm -hmm. that was a you know a group of young people making a film and they said we've exhausted like we can't just make a standard issue horror movie we're going to take this whole new route to scare you. And that movie scared the shit out of people. Yeah. Um, I, well, and I saw when when I was in school, I did see Paranormal Activity 3, which is the only found footage movie I've seen <laughs> subsequently there. And it was it, – it, that type of thing is really frightening. And, and I remember seeing it and being, you know, not, not sleeping very well. Uh, and, but the whole – that is a subgenre, the, the found footage subgenre. And uh, it's just there and then you can kind of see all those. You can kind of compare them and be like, oh, mm-hmm. I like this about Blair Witch Project or not that. I, that's just there's, – there's so much creativity. And that's not to say there isn't creativity in, in, in drama. And, oh, I mean, no, of course. Yeah. I mean look at a couple years ago, La La Land and, and Moonlight, these these two dramas that are uh, vying – well, yeah, I guess they're – we'll call them dramas. Uh, you know, prestige films vying for best picture and they could – they're very, very different. But there's something different about uh, and unique about this – you know this horror genre and all these subgenres. You mentioned found footage, and uh, one movie I've seen and and rather like is is called Let the Right One In, which I believe is a Swedish horror movie that I think got a remake in English, and it is one of the most unsettling movies I've seen. But it's it's scary in a different way. It's not like the the you know someone having chainsaw or having razors for hands or, <laughs> or wearing a goalie mask. It's a different type of fear, and and I think it goes to it gets closer to the human condition than a lot of these things do, which is different folks are scared by different things. Maybe you're yes. scared of spiders, and I'm scared of you know not paying my taxes on time. <laughs> and, and that that everybody's kind of... afraid of that. That kind of '80s slate of Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, Freddy Krueger, like those movies, rely really heavily on you know classic jump scares. Monster jumps out from around the corner with his knife slash machete slash razor glove slash whatever it is. Yeah. Um, 
but you know that that humanity aspect the the horror that lurks in all of us seems to be the real the place where this genre of thrillers and horror movies has evolved to in the modern day and that's really cool i think that's really fascinating because it actually goes past what you said about we're all scared of different things you know and, and you know I, I might be more scared of bears than either of you and max might be more scared of spiders than either of us but like there are certain things that there are like universal fears about you know we are humanity being turned against us or you know I, someone we love not being who they say they are and that i think is you know that that horror within us the the creeping dread of humanity is something that um certainly is a a big part of it follows um and it seems like it's the real underpinning of the the horror movie of 2018 that everybody has been talking about hereditary uh which i I was uh far too chicken to see um definitely oh yeah i'm not i'm not seeing that no no desire to i mean listened i listened to the slate spoiler special podcast on hereditary and the podcast scared the shit out of me um I like how that one is there's there's a scene in the trailer so it's fine but the, but there's someone who's who's on fire and I think it's towards the end of the movie and the people I know who have seen it have said oh no 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 there are 10 things that happen after that that are way worse and it's at the end of the movie. Yeah. So. And and you know there there's a, a character who's possessed and breaks his own nose. It's just like you know there are certain things that whether you're scared of possession like in the exorcist or you know demons with razor gloves like in nightmare on elm street or uh snakes like in snakes on a plane you know uh the whole idea of what it seems like to me like the idea of horror is now is how can we probe into the deepest recesses of who you are and make you uncomfortable until it doesn't matter what we're showing you until you're scared of the thing that you're scared of. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Mm. Hold on. I'm really scared of my battery dying. So just a second. That makes me think of a uh, old boy. Um, I don't know if you've seen that movie. Sean. I haven't. I think I, I certainly, I have heard of it. Uh, oh, oh, that's the it's the Korean movie, right? That's right. Yeah, like a a slasher kind of action um, thrillery sort of thing. Uh, kind of. It's more like a psychological thriller. Actually, uh, okay. we're talking about Old Boy. Oh man, but it's that's, a, it's a that... fascinating movie that's very um unsettling. I don't know. I I wouldn't throw it in the horror category. I okay. don't think, but it's it's unsettling to say the least (laughs) i mean that's that's part of it too is is maybe i've i've given too broad a definition even for for that because something like old boy has a lot of horrific events it is completely unsettling but maybe it's not a horror movie but uh, again that goes Mm -hmm. into part of it is is what frightens you i mean that movie sits with me 
a lot um, and, and when it comes up I really think about it think about why it why it unsettled me uh, I think it's so having a definition for horror movies I think is 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 harder than than maybe I realize and, and kind I would say it's a horror movie but I I couldn't tell you why I, I say it's a horror movie other than it it is so deeply affecting in a way that is fear driven and yeah, it's a tough line to draw, and I imagine that filmmakers probably want to skew, outside of a select group, probably want to skew more towards their work being called thrillers. It's kind of like how NBA big men really love to be 6'10 or 6'11, but really hate to be 7 feet tall, um, because once you cross that line, and once you're marked as a horror film, or you're marked as a seven footer there there's a certain set of expectations um and and really specifically there's a set of expectations of things that you won't do well or that you can't do well yeah that i think think, they're worried about and and i think that there are two things in that is is one get out was was really important because i forgot that it's viewed as i forget that it's a horror film because i just view it as a great movie there's there's automatically this knock against something that's a quote-unquote horror film because you think and this was important too i think get out came out in like february and there's this idea that you only watch horror films in october and I think that's unfair. I mean, The Shining is going to be really good whenever you watch it. It's only Hocus Pocus that is that is uh, you know fall based or, or Halloween time based. So so I think that there's a, a disservice we do with the the connotations of, of horror movies. Yeah. So another thing that I kind of mentioned earlier is that I've seen The Shining a lot, and my. Uh, my viewing experience has changed a great deal. Um, part of that, I think, is that you know I was showing it to a person that I care about it who hadn't seen it before, and so really, there's a certain extent to where you're kind of halfway watching the movie and halfway kind of checking to make sure that this person you love is, you know, enjoying this movie that you like. Uh, but also, I just I recognize that I wasn't frightened by it anymore, and it seems to me. I have a lot of friends. I grew up with a lot of friends who really loved horror movies uh-huh. and were big rewatchers, were big uh watchers of lots and lots of uh horror movies kind of over and over again. And I think uh, I think part of the reason people watch horror movies multiple times is for the gratification that comes from like conquering that fear, I, you know. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't. There, are, there are other movies like I haven't seen Psycho enough times to where it's not frightening or unsettling. But yeah, uh, I, I think there's that, no horror movie I watched more than once. Interesting, and and I almost. I almost wonder if that's the right way to do it because if what these movies are supposed to do is scare us, then maybe we're not supposed to conquer the fear. And and that was my question too, is, is that the other problem with horror movies is I can watch Moonlight again and again, and it's going to have basically the same effect every time. But with a horror movie, 
that the the intended effect i think that that the intended scare effect is is uh is gonna be diminished going forward or and i'll still enjoy the movie i'll go back at some point and watch it follows again but the effect is is going to be lessened because i i know what's happening i understand there's no there's no twist for me there's no jump. yeah hmm Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have to watch. So, so it's self defeating in a way. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to watch Saw again and get back to you. Ha <laughs> uh, I do. I mean, I think I've seen. I think I've seen one of those. The first one is is a very good movie. It yeah, it actually. Uh, so I watched it on a, a in actually in kind of the same same conditions I watched The Shining in today, so, like late after uh, late morning, early afternoon on a Sunday like blinds open lights on um actually i watched saw in like on my computer in a a corner of the monitor while i did other things too um but you know maybe if i watch that five more times i won't be scared by it um but i just you know i think there i think there's value in not conquering the fear and, and and if you want you know I will, I'll never begrudge anyone not watching a horror movie because I still, I'm still a wuss and I don't necessarily like to be scared, but I do think that that if you're going to dive in, you might as well dive all the way in and have the experience that they want you to experience. You know, one of my, what I think the most unsettling movie I've ever seen was, uh, creep, which is it doesn't call itself a horror movie interestingly enough it's one of those where it's a psychological thriller um and and it stars uh mark duplass as this kind of loner this uh, oddball loner who lives out in the woods and uh has like terminal cancer and and invites a uh you know like a young filmmaker to kind of uh come help document his life for his family. Uh, and it turns out he's not who he says he is. Um, and I'll never look at a wolf mask with anything besides terror again. (laughs) And I don't know that I want to change that. See, see that at least, that at least makes sense. I would say that the two most horrifying movies I've seen are, are, are train spotting and bowling for Columbine. Uh, (laughs) Bowling for Columbine actually made me lock the door to my bathroom in in the house that I went to high school in, which it's it's an ensuite bathroom. So the the ridiculousness of of this is just deep. But uh, so you you say that, and and I think the reason horror movies are are really great in some ways is you as a human are are saying I am vulnerable and I am recognizing my vulnerability and I'm giving yeah. myself up to it. There's a different type of vulnerability when you're watching certain dramas or, or rom-coms where people are like, oh, I'm going to have a good cry. It's it's the same thing. It's catharsis. And for some people, the best release is to, you know, pee yourself, basically. <laughs> and and so, uh, you know, horror movies are really doing a service. It Max, in your case, it's laughing your head off at Nicolas Cage, not with Nicolas Cage. Um, and if that's your catharsis, I think that's really great. Um, I think horror is just a different outlet, and most people don't like being scared, but people who are junkies for it 
are the same type of junkies as as folks who like laughing or crying. It's just slightly different portion of your emotional spectrum. Yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> I I don't think I have anything more to add here. Either of you guys have parting shots on horror movies? There's a lot of bad ones on Netflix. Ooh. Well, so the real the real horror movie is is actually a a team that plays their football in Charlottesville. I've heard is bowl eligible before November first, before Halloween. Really, now that is a horror story. And I also heard that a different orange team beat a garnet and gold team yesterday by forty nine points at home. Um, that is another horror story. Um, but. Anyways, yeah, that's horror movies. All right. Uh, if you have thoughts to share, if you have uh, favorite horror movies that uh, that we haven't talked about that you think we should check out, um, come find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and let us know what you think. All right. We will move on as we do every week to Pierce is Sorry. And uh, we've had... Uh, we we put a couple kind of pre-recorded episodes out for the last few weeks while you were out traveling. Um, you have returned. Have you returned with uh, with more things to apologize for, or are you just working from the pre-existing list? So this one this week is going to be from the pre-existing list, but have no fear. I have plenty from my trip. We um, can't wait to hear them. Uh but this one, I think, is a little more topical, and it's something that I've been thinking about a, a good amount. Uh, in, I think it was 10th grade. Yes, 10th grade. Um, we had to write, you know, an essay, one where you, you take, you persuade people type thing, and, and you take a stance. And I remember writing a, a pretty good essay um, defending a certain institution. Um, very, very vehemently defending it. Um, and that institution, uh, as is a product of Virginia and, and our, our founding fathers and, and always appreciating them, going to Mr. Jefferson's University, being familiar, going to Mount Vernon a bunch, going to Montpelier a bunch, I wrote an essay defending the Electoral College. Um, talking about it as a, an important compromise and, and everything else that helped shape our nation. Now, it helped shaping our nation is is true. It has shaped our nation, but it's shaped our nation in some ways, well, increasingly for the worse. Um, things like the Senate are not very democratic at all. Um, so I, I apologize uh, for, I, I think, for for not realizing sooner how, how laughable that was. And bad. I think at that time, with you know my my limited worldview, it was totally fine. Um, but one thing it does make me realize, and reflecting on that, is I'm not going to write that essay again. Um, but also, uh, this will come out Tuesday, the thirtieth, and the following Tuesday will be the sixth of November. And so, what I would say is is that uh, in light of the electoral college not being perfect, one thing that you can do and is really important is is going and voting and it is a a a if you have the privilege to do it if you have a path to do it which you should um it's really important it's the most important thing you can do and uh i hope you do it and i hope that there are no blockers to you doing it because for too many there there are and that's 
terrible and that's something that you should consider when you're voting and other people maybe are not now if you're one of those people who decides that you don't feel like voting i don't want to hear from you 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 suck and and i have no i have no room for you in in my uh in in my thoughts so i would say it's really important to go vote and if you're like oh that's too much effort you can go kick rocks and find the biggest rock and kick it as hard as possible because um you're you you're part of the problem yeah and it's not there are a lot of things wrong with election days in america it's it's on a tuesday it's not on a weekend um even though polls are are open before and after sort of standard business hours a lot of people don't work standard business hours. Yep. Uh, polling places can be hard to get to, and there can be long lines. Um, but go, go vote. Make yeah. make the effort. You have you have a civic duty. You are a participant in a democracy, and it only works. You know, we we could argue until we're all blue in the face about whether or not it works right now in general. But the only way it works ever is if you participate and you have you you said privilege and privilege is a really good word, but you also it's a responsibility. You have a yeah. responsibility, you know uh, think of think of your community like it's a campground. If you've ever been camping, you you know that one of the big probably the biggest rule is you try to leave the place better than you found it and it's it's a thing that we we lose sight of really easily we focus on short-term outcomes and not about how we can leave our communities our states our countries better than we found them for the people who are going to come after us for us five and ten and twenty years from now so just treat treat it like it's a duty if you have the ability at all to get to the polls and vote, do it. And if you know that there's something that's going to keep you from being able to go to the polls and vote, go get an absentee ballot. You can do that. That is a thing that you can do and you can still be a participant in your democracy at whatever level you choose, whether you're focused on local, whether you're focused on state, whether you're focused on national elections, you actually not really national elections right now, but yeah, just get, and if, yeah. pay attention to what's going on around you and, and try politics sucks. And it, it's really discouraging a lot of the time. I get that, but try Try to be part of the change. Be be the person in your group of friends who says, no, fuck that. I'm going to get informed. I'm going to do a little bit of research into who these candidates are and what they stand for and, and what the initiatives on the ballot in my local election mean, not just to me, but to the people they're going to affect, you know, outside of my apartment and, and just... Oh, and do do a little good in the world. I'm not here to tell you how to vote, but I am here to tell you that you should vote. Yeah, and in those little elections too, I say little, those local elections have huge impacts, so don't don't overlook them. And if you're like, "Oh, I don't know where I vote or something," 
you know, Google it. Reach out to me. I'll Google it for you. If, yeah. if you live by me, I'll drive you to your polling place. I want you to go vote. Even even if you live in a place like I live in Arlington leans a certain way, it's still important to go vote because you extend that gap and or, or you narrow it a little bit. And that sends that sends a message, even if it's just one, that, that changes the margin in a way that the people notice. And if you are – if you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I didn't vote last time. I'll, I'll go vote this time. There are going to be a lot of people like you too, and and you don't realize how much change that is. That that change in attitude, that that kind of a call back to the horror movies, being unsettled and then acting on that being unsettled makes a bigger difference than than you realize. So, if you have the ability, as you mentioned, Sean, it, and you have that privilege to to go vote. You you should. It's your duty. And if you don't do that, you know, consider the people that, for reasons that are a lot of times outside of their control, they can't vote. You know, think of all those people who who really want to go out, and you're deciding that you're too too good to go vote. That's that's terrible. It's fucking terrible. And if you're already committed to voting, that's great. But do do what Pierce said. Be the person who helps other people vote convince your friends that it's important for them to be participants in their democracy I, like we'll we will put our money where our mouth is we will be the change like if you want to know where your polling place is if you want help getting to vote in charlottesville arlington i i can't speak for whether max feels like being helpful but like pretty okay pod facebook or twitter it's pretty okay at gmail.com like we're we're here to help if we can for real it because it's it's important um all right so we'll step down from the soapbox for a second and uh close with a big idea from my calves are starting to hurt there a little bit up there but i I did it for you all and my real one has to do a little bit with elections too uh but i'll take a a quick break and, and and lighten the mood by saying uh I was reacquainted this weekend at my local grocery store with a delightful product uh, known, as the, known as the Toaster Scramble. Um, oh, Max is making a face at me on Skype, which I means I'm I know that I'm not even sure what a Toaster Scramble is. Well, yeah. I bet you know what a Toaster Strudel is. I uh, Oh, wait. I know what this yeah. is now. Oh, and no. A Toaster Scramble is a Toaster Strudel, but like with breakfast inside it it's got eggs and cheese and meat and apparently now potatoes uh although i i when i i purchased them and and had one uh for for breakfast the other day it uh the potatoes didn't really register for me but i just i thought that was kind of neat so you know it's a breakfast hot pocket in a way and like it was it it seems like a a convenient thing a little, little grab and go action um so it was kind of neat to see those again. You just you just said that something is good and compared it to a hot pocket. Like consider <laughs> your sins, okay? You know what? I said what I said. Come fight. I mean, me. I've eaten a lot of hot pockets in my life. I've eaten a lot of toaster strudels in my life. I'm not about to apologize for it. It's not in that category of things, but like they are what they are. Yeah. Is, they they are what they are and what they are is delicious and come fight me if you think otherwise. Um <sighs> but so what I what I really plan to uh, bring as my big idea this week is um, uh, I got hooked on a show uh, that is on on the Netflix. Uh, it's called Designated Survivor. So 
the basic premise is that uh, the uh, capital is destroyed during the State of the Union, so the whole government is gone. Uh, but the way it, what happens is the the government leaves behind one uh, one member of the order of succession uh, to become president and start a new government should a catastrophic incident happen. And that man is Jack Bauer. <laughs> yes. Um, so <laughs> it, it's it's a ridiculous. I mean, it's a you know, it's a primetime network drama. It's completely ridiculous. Um, but it, it also, you know, it is also a network political drama. So it carries some West Wing DNA in that everyone. Uh, everyone who is working in the government or at least in the White House is really trying, uh, you know, is trying to uh, accomplish noble aims. Uh, Jack Bauer notably has not, uh, through a season and a half, has not waterboarded anyone yet. I'm a little surprised by that. He hasn't really talked about bringing anyone in. Uh, He hasn't gone rogue. How many Uh, knife throw kills does he have? Zero. It's it's really surprising. He's apparently was an architecture professor. Yeah. To before uh, or after CTU. Wait, he was an architecture professor and someone gave him a job? That's not a real architecture Well, he person. was the, uh, so, well, he was an architect and an architecture professor. And uh, so basically what I'm saying is he's Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. Uh, and, and, and he's the HUD secretary uh, and, and became president and hijinks ensued. There, there are shadowy cabals. There are dirty bombs. There are double agents. There are, you know, it's just, it's completely bananas, and I kind of love it. Uh, so yeah, designated survivor. Uh, I would say uh, maybe don't watch that next Tuesday instead of going to vote. Uh, no. But come home and. Uh, come home from the polls and reward yourself with an episode or two. You earned it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. On that note, that is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at pretty okay pod or at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. We've got a new song review from Ian up this week. So check that out. Uh, you can also subscribe to our feed. So you get every episode on your device of choice every Tuesday. Do that on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or most other places that you get your podcasts. If you do that, please do us a favor. Leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or find a friend who you think might be interested in what we're doing and tell them about the show. We'd love to share what we're doing with them as well. We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. uh, And to encourage you one last time to vote because that pod will be coming out on Election Day. Uh, Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Go vote. Thanks for listening.